Hello, welcome to I'm Your Buddy with Nick and William, uh, the podcast where two best friends watch the television show Friday Night Lights and talk about it. I'm Nick, I'm the one who hasn't seen the show before. And I'm William, I'm the one that loves the show, and today we're covering episode 10 and 11. Episode 10 was titled It's Different for Girls, and episode 11's titled Never Mind. Um, We're pretty much halfway and I would say I really like episode 11, Nevermind. It's maybe one of my favorites for the season that stands out to me. I always think about it when I'm trying to figure out season one. Episode 10, I don't like. How do you feel about these two? I don't like you for making me watch this show. <laughs> That's again, <laughs> halfway through 10, I was just like, God damn it. I hate you so much. Yeah. Um, this is when we talked about the podcast and we talked about watching it. Episode 10 is specifically the episode where I was like, that's going to be a rough day. It's going to be a rough record for us. Yeah, we we both watched the episodes last night. And literally after we had finished episode 10 and we're just starting episode 11, you texted me. Oh, yeah. Sorry about episode 10. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. But luckily, as much as I didn't like episode 10, there are a couple elements in episode 11 that I was kind of surprised by. But again, the usual refrain of if we weren't recording this podcast, we wouldn't be watching this show. Like starting a show, you know, we were just talking about this with the new Cowboy Bebop uh, live action yeah. adaptation just before we started recording was, oh, are you going to check it out? Are you not? Because we both love the anime. Of course, everybody does. But and we both really like John Cho. So we are going to check it out. But you know, in today's culture, you watch a show for an episode, and if it sucks, you don't watch it. Or if it doesn't do it for you, it doesn't necessarily have to suck, uh, you don't continue with it. Yeah. I would have never continued with this show, ever. I'm Never, ever. I'm, why do you watch this show? <laughs> well, it, before I answer why do I watch the show, is I'm more in line with I'll watch it even if I don't like it. If there's either I feel like I have to, or if there's at least something worthwhile. Like, I'll probably watch all of Cowboy Bebop. I'm not happy about it. Gotcha. I haven't started it. I'm already mad at myself <laughs> that I'm going to watch it all. But more than likely, I'll probably watch it all. Uh, oh, interesting. Okay, so like you start it and you want to finish it kind of thing. Sometimes. There's some okay. things that, like uh, Legion... I watched the first like three episodes. I hated its guts. I loved Aubrey Plaza in it. Whatever she was doing was really cool. Hated everything else. I never went back to it. That's a show that I was like, what's a show I just bailed on? I straight bailed on Legion. I I mean, I kind of fell off on Game of Thrones, but that's not because I hated it. I just lost interest. It never grabs me. I know. How many times are we going to bring up Game of Thrones? Or not even we. I'm not even bringing myself in there. How many times are you going to bring up Game of Thrones? I'm trying to think of other shows to talk about that are what people would say is like high S tier. Breaking it's, Bad, uh, Mad Men. Uh, Game of Thrones is not S tier. No one would say that. Before the last two seasons, everybody was saying Game that. of Thrones shit the bed so bad, people do not rewatch it. It is not S tier. Like Culturally, maybe I'm it thinking was that huge. more. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking that. And I think it's... Um, even with like, well, I think specifically with the Netflix, the Disney, the Marvel, all of that crap of shows. And I mean crap by like, there's so many of them. I don't think, Game of Thrones was the last epic cultural 
It felt. I mean, my mom and dad watched it. Yeah. That's the thing. My event, mom and dad didn't watch the event wire. Event television. It was the last big event television. And yeah. Friday Night Lights is in no way that, but I think my brain keeps trying to reference Friday Night Lights in something that it feels like people were passionate about a show wise. Because Mad Men wasn't that. Like, you like it, but you didn't get excited watching it. It's not that kind of show. It doesn't have energy to it. I think Breaking Bad did, but uh, those are, like, the two last ones. Maybe the fucking Mandalorian, but I don't think so. I think that's a smaller group of people that love it. No, I mean, so many people love Star Wars. That's the whole thing. But, yeah, here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. I don't want to just come off as the guy who just shits on the show and we continue to watch it, but legitimately... There are many moments in the show that are bad. It's just not interesting to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that's good, and we'll, we'll get into it. But before we move on, the question to you is, is it because you got that first season and, like, the box set, and it was close to your kind of personal experience, so you dove in that way? And second, did you, did you just binge it, right? So you weren't watching one or two episodes mm-hmm. a week or something initially. So because binging allows you to kind of get into a, a show uh, more quickly and like yeah. kind of fast tracks it. I mean, quote unquote, binge on DVDs or whatever it was, mm-hmm. whatever, 10 years ago. When I first got into it, I think we were watching it like dinner before bed. So it was honestly maybe one or two episodes at a time until I fell in love. Then it was as many episodes as I could. And I ran through season one as hard as I could. And uh, we brought it up at the beginning of the show. Honestly, as quick as that, do you think God loves football? And episode two, when Coach took Matt to the field and they did the whole thing, those two moments were like, I think I really love this show. Another moment that helps solidify that is episode 11. That one stands out. Of uh, uh, we'll talk about it later, but that's another thing where like it's not this huge, grandiose, beautiful. It was just something that hit me. I was like, "Yeah, I love this show. It's it's talking to me, and it's so much fun to watch." I'll say real quick, I, I like Mars Volta, Terrence Malick. I love the show Community. I'm okay with sifting through a big mess to find the stuff I love. None of those things are perfect. They're messy at best. I don't need a classic front to back. So, uh, yeah, when this show, like, we watched episode 10, and I was just like, I'm rolling my eyes. I'm thinking not even what me and you will laugh at hating, but I am thinking, like, I just legitimately, I've never liked it. All the times I've watched it, there's so many points that I'm like, I hate it, and it's bad. But then the good part comes, and I was like, oh, I'm here for that. My hour was worth it. If I get those one or two great moments, I I can drop the baggage of all the bad stuff. I don't uh, weigh it too much in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm okay with a mess. Yeah. And yeah, I like that. That's that's a good way to put it. And I think we just have different viewing habits. Because, yeah, when it gets to the teen melodrama stuff, if it was just my normal viewing habits on a normal night, and it was one of these you know, once the teen romance stuff kicked in, I'd be like, I don't want to watch this and I would turn it off. I'd, yeah. I'd put, I'd put on whatever Guy Fieri or some shit, you know? Yeah. I mean? But like, like it, it's the literal same thing as we were talking about when the Kanye album came out, you listen to the first like three songs. You're like, nothing grabbed me. 
I'm assuming you didn't go back and finish the hour and a half of the album that the first three you didn't care for. Absolutely not. Yeah, I listened to it multiple times with big chunks going, I didn't need that. Or you can cut this out. And then finding the, I was like, oh, this is, this is what he does. This is the thing I love. And so I can be like, yeah, I like the album. It's pretty good. I listened to the stupid fucking the choir one to find what I liked. Not, and I think more people will do the, uh, if it doesn't grab you, there's so much else to do, so much else to watch, so much else to occupy your time with. Why would you struggle through going, I'm not liking this. And then you just go to the thing. I get that. I really do. But I just, yeah, I'm not that guy, I guess. I yeah. don't really do that too often. No, I think, but that's an interesting difference between the two of us. I usually listen to only one or two bands of a particular genre that define that type of music for me. Like where you, you know, you have a plethora of rappers that you listen to, you know, a ton of them, you know, that you kind of go through. You enjoy all the different types of styles. And me, I listen to like one or two or three who really kind of hit me, you Mm -hmm. know, something like that. And that goes towards all other genres as well. So it's, yeah, I'm looking for specificity and like emotional catharsis. That's literally all I'm seeking in all the media that I consume. Yeah. Is that kind of like something to hook me that speaks to me and then has some kind of emotional payoff, some kind of emotional outlet that I can express my repressed emotions through. That's literally all I'm seeking. And if you want to talk about specificity and emotional catharsis, I mean, episode 11 is... I got a lot in there. Yeah. Like me. I'm saying me. When I watched that alone for the first time ever and Saracen's dad came home, I was like, oh, shit. I didn't know this was going to be in the show. It's like, damn, we're going here now. And this is a place I've been. And so watching that and watching the little details that they picked up on with parts of that, that does hit me where it won't hit you because you don't have that experience. My dad is in the military. We've had tons of, uh, you know, every six months he's gone for a couple months and then he comes back. And, you know, I I definitely want to get into that scene and that dynamic. But, yeah, specificity and emotional catharsis. Episode 11 is one of the big ones where I can go, oh, I've been there. I've been here. I've seen that. I've felt this. And that uh, mirror on my um, emotional experience is uh, it's crazy to me when I get that from things you know i told athea like there are certain scenes in the tree of life where i was like i've literally lived like living in south carolina the trucks used to go by with the yellow light and they would spray ddt and we'd have to come inside i mean in the movie they're dumber and they played in it because it's the 50s but like that's a thing i've done like specifically so watching that in something i was just like holy shit that hits my spinal cord in that weird way where it sticks with you, you yeah. know? So yeah, that's yeah. uh we're, we're hitting those episodes now. It is funny that it is paired up with, uh, I would say maybe the worst episode for me watching is episode 10. Yeah. I have a lot of problems with 10. There's, uh, maybe three plot lines that this show does that I can think off off the top of my head that I don't like. And this is one of them. Yeah. It, <sighs> Yeah, we'll get to those kind of little moments, I think, at the end of yeah. 10 that are kind of nice. Like, there's a little moment. But yeah, I was kind of surprised how much 
11 brought me back in after just the shit show that is episode 10. It's it's genuinely, I think, the worst episode so far. I, I don't know. <sighs> Dude, I can't say. I honestly can't say because it also has the Saracen and Julie at home, like their little date thing. And that's so good to me. <sighs> yeah, but... Coach, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So that is funny. Here, let's just talk about it. I yeah, don't know why we're go for it. Yeah. Let's just talk about it. So, in terms of what doesn't work and what worked for me, off the bat, all the Smash stuff, all the Lila stuff, boring, stupid. I get that women always have it worse when it comes to this kind of like slut shaming, uh, the parallels of uh, the Scarlet Letter and all that kind of stuff. I get it. That is very true to life, especially in small towns. It's so small town to have, you know, one of your... The smaller the school, the more people are in your business. Exactly. Someone posts something online and it gets out of control. And good for Lila for owning it at the end and and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But it's just uninteresting to me. I'm not interested in that stuff. Smash says more cringy shit in that episode than anything. Just like all his little things... Uh, them talking about monogamy in class. It's like, who is this fucking teacher? Just shut their fucking kids. Like, I don't think teachers should like shut down teenagers when they're talking about sex or something. I don't believe that that's, you know, I think that's unhealthy, but at the same time, it's like, it's so written. It feels the problem. It feels so written. And you're like smash. I don't know. I just thought it was really bad. There's a lot of bad lines and it kind of bummed me out. We're just like, I mean, I get that this guy's supposed to be charismatic, but the way that they're writing him, it's just it just comes off as he's just dumb. It is funny to me to watch him like it felt like he almost ran across the parking lot being like, hey, 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 just because he saw a girl he couldn't recognize. He's like, come, 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 you gotta like, let me flirt with you. Like, it was so funny to see him just running to her. If they were to actually show us why Smash wants all this attention, like, is he getting with girls all the time? Is he not? We sh- we see his home life. He lives in this, like, a duplex, right, with his family. He's not bringing girls home and banging them or anything like that. Like, he has two, or- he has two sisters, and his mom's always on him about, you know, uh, keeping women around the house and all that kind of stuff. We already yeah. saw that earlier in the season, so it's like, he just likes getting the attention, but it's like, does he have a girlfriend? He just like f- flirts incessantly with, with all the girls. And it's just like, I don't know. I think he's just kind of an obnoxious character where, or at least in this episode, I should say, because I like, um, uh, what they do in 11 where it's like, he's the steroids are starting to fucking work and he's, you know, hitting these good times. So it's like that plot line is very interesting, but his personal journey of like just being obnoxious it's just, I mean, I guess it's intended to be obnoxious. So maybe it's serving its purpose, right? I guess. I I think the Smash stuff, honestly, I think it's just supposed to be kind of charming and funny. No. I think at best, that's where not, it works not, with me. It's terrible. Is where I'm like, oh, it's kind of funny. It's not like, you know what I mean by funny? Like, it's like, you know what? Yeah, it's, but if it's that, Joey that dude from in high Friends. school is a douchebag, that guy yeah. fucking sucks in high school. Yes. So, but it's not... So maybe I'm just bringing my own usual bias, which is like, I don't like this person. He's being obnoxious. I I like that he was being nice to Saracen. I like that he has this internal conflict and stuff. But it's like, it's not charming. He's not charming. He's obnoxious. 
And I think that, I guess episode 10 does kind of bring that out with the pastor's daughter and her reactions to him. It's like, yeah, you speak in the third person. You sound obnoxious. But then what does she do? Oh, she goes on the date with him. But I don't know. I guess that's maybe a comment, too, of like how much it's okay for men to wear women down and that kind of shit. Hmm, interesting. But the show's not intentionally doing that, I don't think. No, I shouldn't give it credit. What I do think the show is intentionally doing is maybe we're getting more of the obnoxious smash stuff. So it makes a little sense when she calls it out. So it's easier for the average viewer to pick up on it. I think that's why in the in that dynamic, they're using it more. I just think it's as simple as like I was trying to say is like the friends, Joey, like he's just he's that guy he just hits on people. He flirts. And I think uh, whether or not he's getting with girls, he just has that personality. And I do think at that age, there's, you know, yeah, it's fun. It's silly. It's it's not more than that. Yeah, and I get cranking it up, and I think that's why it feels writerly, right? Like we're saying, it feels overwritten. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess that kind of tracks. I, but but with lines like, Ulysses was a pimp, fuck that. I mean, it shows the time, like, you know, it's like, you know, that, that mid-aughts, you know, call them, mm-hmm. call them ballers, pimps, or whatever the fuck it is, it's just the slang. That's just such a shitty line, dude. Like, seriously, <laughs> the teacher should have been like, what the fuck did you just say? Get out of here. <laughs> Fuck you. Like, that's so lame, dude. It was so, ugh, so lame. I, I don't know. Ulysses I, was a pimp, William. I don't care. Like it's he, dumb, dude. But, like, it doesn't, I guess it just didn't stand out to me. Like, if I hear it in a vacuum or if I think about it, it it's, uh, I don't know. It feels like something Smash would say. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah, that's fair. I the the problem with that English class bullcrap scene is uh that whole dynamic of him trying to talk about like birds and bees it adds to the whole gender argument they're having and then she comes off like super smart and elevated I don't like the scene cuz like you're saying it's overly written but also I it, it bugs me when Smash like looks at her He's like, oh, she's smart too. And I was just like, ugh. It's, yeah, it's exhausting how just, it's just lame. I don't know another way to say it. I mean, it is corny, but yeah, it, I don't like that scene. I don't like her character. I think they start doing a little bit of interesting stuff with her. I don't like the idea of him chasing the type of girl that doesn't want him and it coming off like that. Oh, it's creepy. He comes up as yeah, a creep. I, I don't like that. I like him being charming and suave. That kind of is more fun than this, the chasing her. I don't like the chasing her stuff. And that's what a lot of that setup was. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about Coach and Saracen and Julie and this one, because that's kind of like the only stuff that was kind of funny, like talking about uh, Coach making Saracen watch the uh, tape when he thinks it's going to derail his date with Julie, and then ends up Julie just watches it and with, with yeah. Saracen, and she mentions like a specific play and all this kind of stuff, and Coach is like, oh, did she really say that? And then he's like actually legitimately proud of Julie watching football, even though it's not because of him, it's because of Matt. But yeah, she's doing it out of spite. Yeah, that was fun. And them calling it the Matt chat and that kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> that stuff's fun. But like, 
coach being such a little baby about it is so annoying because he knows how harmless Matt is, right? Like that's what we've established these these first half of this season that Matt's a little, you know, he's a sweetheart, right? Yeah. He takes care of his grandma. He does these things. He's not the, you know, he had, they have, coach has to bring out like the the animal football player. Yeah, wake you know, him up. Yeah, uh, QB1. He's got to activate it within him. So like him feeling so threatened by Matt, I guess it's because Tammy brings up like the girls talking about sex and then you have like the uh, Lila stuff, you know, going around the rumors of whatever cheating or ugh, stupid bullshit that's annoying. So I guess that I can see how it tracks that coach would start getting upset by it. But he's just such a baby and it's just like, come on, dude. You know what I think it is more to to me? It's more of um, this is another example of coaches more old fashioned than we kind of because we like him. We forget he is still the guy who wanted to get approval of his wife's job. He's also, I think, the guy who goes, I don't want my daughter dating anybody. I want to be still in charge of this situation. I don't like the idea of losing control. Sucks for him. He's got a very stubborn and headstrong single child daughter who can stand up to him. I just, I think it's that old school thing of like, oh, she'll date when she's 30. She'll never touch a boy until she marries. Like he wants that whole stereotype old-fashioned shit i think that's his big problem with this and i I think that's what they're showing yeah i get that and you actually you bring up a good point with that of i don't know if i actually like coach on his own i really like coach in his interactions with tammy and with his interactions with julie but coach on his own I don't know. I don't know if I like him that much. What do you mean by on his own? In terms of the decisions that he makes and some of the advice that he gives. And he's a football coach. And all he cares about is about football. I don't care about football. The stuff that endears me to coach is when he's interacting with his wife, having the funny banter. Mm -hmm. Um, When he's interacting with his daughter, you know, like in episode 10, he asks, oh, when the program's over, they're watching The Office. Yeah. And then Saracen's nervous, so he leaves. And then Julie's mad, and she walks off. And at the end, Tammy calls, I can't remember the question that, or what he says to her, but she oh. literally, yeah, what, say, what's he say to her? He just looks at her and says, they had a blanket. And then her response is, you're an idiot. That's I, it. Exactly. That's brilliant. Yeah. I, I love that. So... And I didn't kind of realize this until the end of episode 11, which we can talk about where it gets that we'll we'll discuss uh, Saracen's dad and all that kind of stuff. But I can bring it up here now because it's relevant. After Matt tells Coach, I hate him. I hate my dad. Coach says, think about what you just said. I'm going to go inside and then I'll take you home. I was like, is that the fucking advice you want to give? But again, I come from a different background from these, uh, you know, from military, that kind of stuff. And and that's a whole different frustration, which you can speak to. But I don't know. That advice, I, I was like, I didn't buy Coach's thing. And I didn't agree with Coach in that moment. That moment, I think uh, the, the line you 
jumped over is the line that stands out for me where he tells Matt, because Matt says it, coach takes a pause, and then he says, don't do that, don't make that mistake. That's the part that sticks with me. Yeah, sorry, I think that's what I meant. The don't make that mistake, because then he says, I want you to think about what you said, and then I'll take you home. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. The don't make that mistake is coach talking about Matt going like, whatever 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 you can mend this this is important down the line in life don't let that anger like that's him giving like pretty good advice about like an emotional situation the i want you to think about what you said when i take you home that felt like the dad line the like kind of what i love about coach was the don't make that mistake line because it like you did earlier if you take it out it uh, it doesn't really hit yeah, and I don't know. I think it it comes from just coming from different familial situations. Mm-hmm. We're having like genuinely toxic people in my family mm-hmm. who cutting them out is the only way to remain emotionally healthy. So like in my mind, and look, I think coach's advice, yeah, what he says, don't do that, right? Okay. I think coach's heart is in the right place when he says that, but coach can't understand his situation. Coach can't I don't know what's coming up. No, I wasn't going to reference what's coming up. I'm going to reference that he's already told us him and his dad butted heads. I think he has a very bad relationship with his father. So I'm sure he's grown up and said, I fucking hate my dad type of shit. And I think he's only looking at Matt less than he is looking at his father. He knows Matt needs his father's approval and he knows his father's hard on him. His father in that moment, he wasn't abusive. He wasn't too shitty. I think it's a bad situation, but he knows Matt needs his dad. Matt can't cut his dad off because so much of those scenes of his dad is like, dad, did you see me here? I want you to meet coach. So much of that is Matt needing him. He doesn't want Matt to replace that with just like rage in the moment. I think that's what Coach is trying to say is let's not go down that road. Yeah, you're giving him a lot of credit, I think. And look, you know more than I do as the season's progressing. No, just like in the that. episode I'm talking. Just in this one episode. Because it, it feels like uh, ever since we've been introduced to the dad, Matt's dad has shown us when they were on the video chat and in any episode he's in here related to football, keeps referencing, oh, I hope he can handle the pressure or I hope he's not too much trouble. He keeps trying to speak on Matt as if he's not a leader and he can't handle things. Matt keeps trying to be in his father's good graces, it feels like. Yeah, and he his father doesn't fucking deserve his good graces. That's the whole thing. That's mm-hmm. what pisses me okay. off Okay, is... I get that his father has this sense of duty. And this is coming from me. Again, I'll leave the military stuff to you, right? And your military experience. Because I'm a vet. That's what he's saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. Just a stealing valor joke. (laughs) Yeah, or a stolen valor. Yeah. But William grew up in a military family. You're literally the only one of your brothers who isn't in the military. All the males in your, uh, most of the males in your family have gone to the military. So I'll leave that up to you to talk about that personal experience growing up with that. But just from an emotional place, Matt's dad doesn't deserve to have a son as good as Matt. And look, this isn't me talking about my dad. I love my dad. This is, that's not the family member I'm referring to. And I love my mom. It's it's extended family who is very toxic and, you know, fucked up some people. And it comes down through the generations. 
And from my personal experience, sometimes people don't deserve your love and attention. And it is sad that Matt feels the need to get the approval from his father. I know, of course, it makes sense. He's a teenager, right? He's not emotionally capable or he doesn't have the tools to deal with this kind of stuff. He'll be dealing with it later on in real life, right? If he was a real person. So I don't knock him as a character uh, in this moment, him reacting this way and wanting his father's approval. But as an audience member, watching the character seek it, uh, his father does not deserve it. His father has literally abandoned him. He's paying the bills. And he believes that Operation Iraqi Freedom is more important than his son, which it isn't. I mean, we have hindsight on that now, right? But, and that's a whole other thing. But it just, it infuriates me, which is good because that means the show's engaging me, right? And yeah. I'm glad that Matt kind of sees that his father's a piece of shit because his father is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I maybe, just, okay, I... maybe that's a bit harsh, but he literally doesn't understand. Oh, why didn't you tell me it was so bad with your grandma? It's like, I did, you fucker. Like, seriously, how, uh, I don't know. Uh, one quick thing we learn: Matt's mom's in Oklahoma, and they reference or whatever her side of family's in Oklahoma. So it's not like she tragically died. The family I get, assume separated, so we at least know there's a fractured family situation. And um, it doesn't say how long he's been deployed or what year he went or how many tours or anything. But it is the idea that he has been gone for a long time. I assume with the way they set this connection up, he's probably closer to his dad than his mom. So I think for me personally, it tracks that he wants his dad's approval. And for me, I don't see any son of a bitch moment between Matt and the dad where I'm like, that's a guy you got to cut out of your life. I don't see it. The worst thing the dad does is tell Matt, well, I'll just move you to Oklahoma. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? What? That's the worst part. The whole time the guy's literally avoiding any responsibility that Matt has to take care of his mom, of his grandma, which the grandma's maybe his father's mom, I'm assuming. Yeah. So he doesn't want to take care of his fucking mom, and he's putting it off on his kid. And when the lady... Uh, they're they're at the office talking to that lady who's like, oh well, maybe you can you can defer your tour, and he's like, no, that's not an option. And then they just get up and fucking leave. The that guy sucks. is a fucking yeah. scumbag. I don't give a sh- look. The military shit, you can talk to that, but what he is doing to his son, I get that football is important and moving a child in the middle of high school is not cool. It's not cool. Yeah, but like that being the worst thing that his dad, his dad is fucking emotionally abusive to him he is avoidant the guy has put his son in a terrible no-win situation that's why he's an asshole the way i read it is he yes he is emotionally shut off and distant and he sucks as a human in those ways i'm reading it where the dad didn't know his mom was this far gone And anytime Matt brought it up, he probably just wasn't paying attention. I get that. But I think the minute he realized that, oh, my mom's not normally just hanging out. This is a legit problem. His first idea is we got to go talk to someone because this isn't for Matt to handle. I can't leave. I can't go back with this situation. So let's put her in a home. 
is his idea. Take this off a man's hands. He's not saying, I'm going to go back. You're good though, right? He is trying in his, he's not right, but in his way, he's looking at the situation going, yeah, you can't handle this. I got to take this off your hands. It's either live in help or she goes in a home. I'm not staying here. I will not stay here. That, yeah, you're right. I take it back. Him literally running from his life to Iraq is the worst thing he's doing. And the moving the Matt thing is a conscious choice he's making that affects Matt. Other than that, I don't, like, he's not hitting Matt. He doesn't shit on people on purpose. He's not, I don't see, he's, he's flawed. He sucks. I don't see him as just a monster of a person. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, we're, we're touching familiar ground here. So like I am defending him in a, uh, in a more personal way. I'm cutting him a lot of fucking bail because I kind of get it. I kind of see, uh, I feel bad for broken people. The dad's broken. Matt's broken. Grandma Saracen's broken. So I'm not expecting him to come in and handle it like Coach Taylor would or even Buddy would, who's just a normaler person, more normal of a person. He's broken. He's hiding emotionally in another country. That's so fucked up. But I at least look at this going, he he wants to get grandma off of Saracen's hands. But he also looks at this and says, football's not important. Your life here is not important. What's important is I just need to make this problem go away because I'm about to leave. That's the part that breaks my heart about this scenario is that's how he's handling it, is going, whatever cleans this up, I actually don't care about the fallout because I won't have to deal with it in, you know, eight, nine days. That's the part that bums me the fuck out. But I don't see him as a Matt needs to cut him out of his life. I see him as a a a, a bad dad. Come on, like. See and, and look, maybe yeah. I don't think that he's necessarily cut him out of his life. Maybe that's a bit harsh, right? Which, in my personal life, I am prone to holding grudges and this kind of stuff. I'm working on it. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to be better about it. And I'm prone to forgive. <laughs> yeah, no, People which is good. People maybe don't, don't need it. It's good. And I mean, what the perfect balance is a mix of the two, right? Yeah. And I guess I look at it as it's an unfair emotional exchange. Yeah. And I just feel so bad for Matt because his father, like I said, doesn't deserve um, yeah. anything from Matt. And I think Coach gets that. I think Coach gets that right away. When they meet, he immediately just reads the dad going, oh, you don't see Matt's a good kid, and I don't think you want to see it. Like, you don't care enough because it's kind of obvious, I think is how Coach reads that scene, and that's why he goes out of his way to kind of compliment Matt. And even that compliment falls. The dad doesn't catch the compliment either. And I think that ties into why... Matt and Coach have their uh, discussion the way they do is I do think Coach, whether you agree or not, but I do read it as Coach is trying to be like, there's something to work with here. It's not completely dead, your relationship with your father. Let's not kill it today, at least. I think that's what Coach is saying. Yeah, but having a teenager express their emotions and saying that they hate somebody. They say that all the time. Yeah. So I just, I took it as like a, 
really, dude? Like, is that what, I guess it's what he should have to hear, I guess. Or I understand coaches impulse and as a dad to say that no i get it i get it but at the same time he's being a teenager he's being dramatic he just had this big fight and he's feeling these hardcore big emotions so it's just like they're gonna burn out so i don't know i don't know but but everything you're saying he doesn't give a big fucking speech he just has a quick line said don't make that mistake you're going too far Think about it. I'm going to take you home. And that's, and he walks away and lets Matt sit with his emotional state. He doesn't dwell. He just goes, pump the brakes on that. Yeah, I think that goes too far. And then he leaves. I love that coach leaves to give Matt his space because I don't think a lot of parents give teenage kids emotional space. Those are the little details in that scene that hit me. The think about what you said before I take you home, that's such just, it felt like it's in a contract. Like, I'm a dad, I legally have to say it. I gotta stand up for dads everywhere. That's what that felt like to me. And Coach does feel like that kind of guy who wouldn't, I'm like, I'm a dad, don't say bad stuff about dads. He feels like that kind of cornball, uh, wholesome, good boy type shit. So I think that reads in there. I really want to hit this idea that you're saying there's a part of coach you don't like because I think that's what makes coach interesting because it's easy to make him the superhero and he's just perfect top down. I love that I think the Julie stuff eats into that. He's he's not that guy. He might be a little more old school than we want. He might be... You know what it is? It's a little Don Draper in him. Where you would, because you're rooting for Don, you think in Mad Men he'd be cool with gay people. He's actually not. And then when you see that, that extra layer makes that character more interesting as opposed to you're good looking, successful, rich, please just be perfect at everything. It's those flaws that keep it at least interesting. And this is, uh, I like that you have that with Coach. It's exciting to me that you are being able to say, like, there's a part you legitimately don't like about him. I think that's awesome, because I have it too. The thing that's I I'm in love with in episode 10 that makes the whole hour worth it, it's the date stuff. It's the Saracen, the Coach Taylor, the Tammy, the Julie. The family stuff's what I'm here for. It's not the football, and it's certainly not Lila's relationship, triangle, drama that family stuff in 10 is i think so much fun to watch and uh there's a million little details for some reason his sweaters inside out coach taylor's uh, it's just funny to me and uh when matt shows up to watch tv with julie they do the quick little insert of his feet barely stepping into the house and coach taylor notices it because he's just not happy with this I think it's funny that the coach and wife are playing cards in the room and he's just pacing and he has that funny line. He's like, uh, what are you supposed to are doing out there? And Tammy to pick on is like, probably just having sex. That's so like, f- why would you say that? Yeah, it's so fucking funny to me. I, all of that, all of the uh, kind of battle Julie's doing with him when every time he's like, oh, you can't do this. We're actually doing this. He's pretending he gives a shit about the cheerleader thing. He's like, actually, we as a family have to watch the cheerleaders and Matt has to be there so you guys can't go to your concert. 
And Tamara's like, what is it again? And he's he like, doesn't oh, even know the name. <laughs> I didn't read the whole email. Yeah, it's yeah. and then even when Julie's not there and he comes home, he was late playing golf. Like he does not care. And Tammy asks him, How did you play? He said, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I did love that, yeah. Yeah, all just so many little all of those things makes that hour. Um the 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 stuff that sucks about this episode is how dated it is with the slut shamey it's bad for girls i actually kind of like they named the episode it's different for girls i don't know why i like the line but they didn't do anything interesting with it they did the standard what you think they would do is they tell riggins you're okay to sleep around but i'm a girl and i'm not that's it they have the smash in the the preacher daughter talk about monogamy, which is exactly what you think it would be. Everything's just so by the numbers and it's so dated. Like they made a like a website with her with a mustache and it says slam page. It's so stupid. What it feels like is uh people, because this is early, late two thousands, they don't know the internet. And they're trying to write what they think. That would never happen. No one makes a website to pick on a girl. It would be in chat. But they don't know that because they're old people writing the show. That's yeah. what it feels like. Dated in the worst way. And that's why it, it's cringe. It's so fucking cringe. Yeah, the only kind of good moment out of that Lila stuff was when Riggins. Uh, we're going to talk about Riggins. Hell yeah. I'm ready. He shows up at her house and says, hey, you should go to this cheerleading thing. I know because she quits the fucking team or whatever. We don't have to go back over it. But he shows up and says, hey, you should go to this competition thing. Who cares what the people say? I think you find happiness in doing it just like I find happiness in playing football. And then she gives him a hug and just Riggins has that look where it's just like, "Mm, he's genuinely happy. And I was like, God damn it. He's pulling me back in. This, I think, has another moment that I wanted to talk about Riggins, specifically because what we talked about the last two episodes of what I'm liking about Riggins is, uh, you know, we're arguing no arc or anything. When she's getting the stupid pick on in the lunchroom and he pushes the bully kids away and sits with her, in him he's trying to do the right thing. Well, and he, he goes to street and he apologizes. Yeah, this is... I like active Riggins. Yeah. He doesn't have the flushed cheeks. He's not, he hasn't been drinking. This is the Riggins who's like, oh, cool. I like this. But he's doing something. Yeah. Hinting that deep inside of him is just a good person. His instinctual, he wants to help people. He wants to do the right thing makes all the i mean in hindsight when you wrap it together makes the drinking more sad to me because it's like you have the makings of a good person something makes you not make those decisions more than the you make the bad ones more that's so frustrating he's the guy you want to shake him and tell him pull his head out of his ass because there's good in him he's not a burnout and that's that's what I like about him. That weird dynamic, that weird pull of like, fuck, he's a good guy. Uh, of course we're going to fucking talk about it. But when he shows up to Landry's fucking concert, dude, he showed up. Like, no, Matt didn't show up. 
Julie didn't show up. No one showed up. And Riggins shows up. And I think it's because Riggins saw that Julie was... Did he... Did Is he there getting on the bus? And does he see Matt and Julie... You know, Matt get in the fight with his dad and then Julie take him yeah. home? Yeah. That's why he goes. Because he knows that they're not going. No one's there. Yeah. So he's actually... Yeah, he's doing it. And he's being not, a good dude. And it's, he's not a football... Landry's not on the team. It's not his best friend. He's like, I'm going to go out of my way to go pay respects in a way. And that's fucking... That's the rigging shit that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I'm so glad they gave him something other than I'm hot, pouty face, and I drink. I'm so glad that they finally, this episode, elevated him. Like you said, there's action in actions that he is taking shows that he's he's a stand-up guy. That's what's cool about the character. Finally, I agree with you. All those episodes were not there yet, but it felt like they were at least hinting He's a decent person. Yeah, and I think I'd seen that Landry band clip. You probably sent I think it to I showed it to you last ago. time. I was like, oh, I'm finally watching it. I think I sent it to you. Yeah, because I, I was like, oh, this looks familiar. But I agree with you. I, I love that Riggins showing up after Landry helped him with his book report and all this. Or what, you know, it's such an odd pairing, but it does work. And I like that Landry's not afraid to just call him out on it. It's just like, dude, you're not even going to try. I'm not going to help you anymore. But I did want to bring up a weird thing about Landry. Why is he so into school shit? So he's like this. Yeah, he's weird. in this. That's that's one inconsistency. And you'll say it makes him interesting. It makes him complex. Blah, 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 no, blah. No, I think blah. I know what you're going to say and I agree. But he's in a metal band. And he like doesn't supposedly doesn't really care about football. But at the same time. He's always stoked at pep rallies. He's always stoked at football games. dancing at the pep rallies. He's always into shit. It's like, who is this guy? Yeah. I don't understand him. I think... It seems inconsistent. I think what would be the most consistent is if I looked at him going, you're the band nerd that has school pride and you're super nerdy. That makes sense. That tracks the i think the episode where the the hispanic kid beats his friend up they do a lot of the like i don't like football you guys are kind of lame that's the part that doesn't track his best friend's the quarterback yeah that it doesn't him not being in it makes so much sense if they just made him i don't play but i have school spirit and i'm super nerdy and i do all the extracurricular activities that makes sense for the character the whole side of maybe you don't though that yeah it, it, it's a weird inconsistency that uh i, I can't even say because i don't remember but it feels like they kind of i think it's them working the character out they're trying yeah. it out but that makes sense it, yeah, it sucks that we both notice it because yeah it bugs me so much to see it, him dancing with julie at the pep rally it's like is he that would he or is he like the counterculture i'm above it like yeah, it's they it's, played both for a little bit. It's yeah, it's difficult to tell, and I mean, painting people in a broad brush, you know, whatever isn't always accurate. But in high school, like just that combination is super rare. I think maybe they exist, but I guess in my personal experience and our high school experience, I don't think that yeah. type of individual existed in our small town at least. So I want to bring up a few moments that stuck out to me in episode 11 that kind of brought me back in after Mm -hmm. the shit show that was episode 10 that the some moments like struck me as kind of oddly progressive not like in 
a politics way. You know, it's not AOC where they're yelling or whatever. It's or tweeting. It's not AOC tweeting and you know communism's cool. It's yeah, not that type of progressive. Yeah, you know, our typical brand of millennial communist irony, blah blah blah, which yeah. we know some people like that. Um but progressive in terms of for the time and for the setting of like uh social norms and stuff yeah. like that. Um the first being angsty street going to the record store to buy Nevermind. Because he's crippled and wants to listen to Nirvana. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, what, line. what a line. Um, and then he sees Lila there picking up something for cheer, I'm assuming. And then they actually just back and forth banter about him marrying a dude. Yeah. And there's no homophobia. It's like, I think it's like Clay Aiken or something, mm-hmm. who I guess it, he was on American Idol or something. Yeah. like. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, And he's a gay guy. Right, he is, but I almost want to say he wasn't out. At the I time. don't remember. Oh yeah, I think he was out. I'm thinking Lance Bass. We all knew he was gay, but he didn't come out to me. Gotcha. Story. But yeah, it, it's a Clay Aiken's gay, and you're gonna you love Clay Aiken. Yeah, she. You know, they make the joke about him loving him, and they're and he literally just says unironically they're making jokes. Obviously, it's like oh we have a special relationship, but then he like talks about oh you know oh we're going to be the only two people at our, at the wedding and you're not invited. What we have is special. What we have is special. And there's no layer of homophobia. There's nothing like, Oh, no jokes. I mean, maybe it's because it's with his girlfriend and this kind of thing or his ex-girlfriend, whatever their status is at the time. But I was just like, wow, that's, that's kind of crazy. Like, cause for the time you wouldn't think about it. I, I know it's the later aughts, but like we've discussed in the past, growing up in a small town, it doesn't matter. The mentality is 15 years behind. So that kind of thing would be a common occurrence, I think. The, 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 the What always stands out to me with that specific, their little banter back and forth, is I always think, me at that age, if a girl I had a crush on did that exact same thing, like, oh, you like Clay Aiken? My brain would have just overloaded, and my response would have been, <laughs> yeah. Like that's I wouldn't have had any witty comeback, and for him to play the back and forth, it's like good for you, because I would have just crumbled and been like, oh uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's I think it shows familiarity in their relationship yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, so that was the first one where it's like, oh wow, this is that feels very unique and mm-hmm. and you know socially progressive for that time. And then um, when Street and Herc are at the bar, and Street asks him, okay, how do I have sex? You know, I tried to have sex earlier. It didn't work. And her kind of gives him a hard time. Pun intended. But, and then they just, they legitimately just have the conversation. Yeah. And I'm just like, (laughs) the note I wrote was handicapped people talking about boners. Again, strangely progressive question mark. (laughs) But it is. It's just like. Wow, the show is just taking this opportunity to talk about a, a very real reality mm-hmm. about people, handicapped people with these injuries in these uh, s- specific scenarios. And that's so specific. Yeah. And they're just talking about it. And again, no homophobia. This even more so than the first scene because it's between two dudes, right? So it's like, that's crazy. They're just legitimately having the the conversation and while I'm impressed by that, it it is one of those moments where it's 
these are LA writers writing about this because <sighs> I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna bite your cheek. I'm gonna jump over there and bite your cheek. No, it is because if it was two dudes from Texas, that scene would not exist. I don't think. And there, or if it did exist, there would be some like, oh, well, we're gonna talk about wieners and make some kind of dick jokes or something like that. If if Jason Street is at a bar with Smash. Smash is the guy that goes, don't be talking about boners with me. I don't want to. And then he's got to like wash it off him. The the idea of other men's dicks. Herc isn't that guy. And it's again, like you said, the familiarity. It's with two people that are handicapped. Herc is like, yeah, that's on your mind. Of course, this is the thing you're worried about. So that's why I think it doesn't feel like LA writers because who it is in my head makes sense. I would be so mad if they did do that with Smash. Or even Riggins. I would get upset if they gave a character that moment where I'm like, no, that's not the guy that has the boner talk. If he, I'll even say Saracen and Landry, it would just be played for jokes. Landry wouldn't be able to give Matt real advice about sex. I think it, it, it works for me and I defend it because it's Herc. That's where I'm like, okay, yeah, this 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 tracks for character, and I and I get that because they are one to one. They they mm-hmm. share the injury. Herc has gone through the same thing before. There is an intimacy between them in that yeah. shared experience. But Herc's an abrasive guy, so I, I was surprised that they didn't throw in some kind of jokes. You know what I mean, or something like that, some kind of deflection. Yeah, um, laced with that. So it did feel a little written. I think that's what I mean by that. It feels a little like I get that. I get that. I think. But uh, I'm still impressed by it. I still like it. It's 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 really good. I like it. And I think um, Herc's abrasive, but he's not... They don't make him the masculine abrasive. So I think that's why that's not where the jokes went. That's of, he, like, he's creepy and he's checking out their asses and all that stuff earlier. Yeah, How's that not masculine abrasive? He doesn't put that on other people. He's not talking about... Well, I've never had that problem because my dick's huge, and that must mean you're you're a gay loser. Like he's not that abrasive, where he's gonna put someone down through masculinity. That's what I'm trying to say. Gotcha, gotcha. It's, it, his jokes, which I thought was such a good joke, when he goes, "Yeah, but who 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 was it with?" And when he says it was like he boos a boo. Yeah, I love that boo. That's so funny. And then he's like, oh, yeah, your your dick's just trying to, t- like, look out for you. Yeah, it's trying like to he, keep you safe. Yeah, he's still funny about it, but he's not ever the guy that, like, the joke is I'm better than you and I'm putting you down street. Yeah. That's not their joking yeah. around. So that's why I think it doesn't go there. Okay, fine. I take it back. No, no, no. I, I'm, yeah. No, I don't no. care, William. You're I, fine. I'm done. That's right. It is good that it's not a shitty L.A. writer's trying to perfectly right uh, stuff okay it's definitely not though i'll take your word for it thank you uh and then the the last one that kind of stuck out to me was when street goes over to coach's house to talk to him but he's not there so he just ends up talking to tammy and of course tammy oh yeah tammy knows the situation uh because lila confessed to her a couple episodes ago about the infidelity and obviously it's been out blah 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 previous episode don't need to recap this is boring um <laughs> it's like 10 seconds you're funny i'd get bored just saying it but street is obviously feeling conflicted and that's what he tells tammy and tammy tells him there's no weakness in forgiveness and i was just like holy shit 
Like talk about the advice that the person needs in the moment. You're talking about coach being a good coach. Big ups to fucking Tammy in that moment. And that is such a, a great thing to hear. Especially, I mean, for me, like, you know, like this angry person, we were just talking about me holding grudges yeah, exactly. against family and all this kind of shit. Well, surprise, surprise. That's why this moment yeah. worked on me we so well. We found your mantra. Yeah, exactly. But that's that's a great thing. I mean, imagine telling a small town quarterback that. Like, that's that's huge. And so I was like, holy shit. This is like, it is a very, I don't know, it struck me as that kind of socially, emotionally progressive where it's just like, don't give in to repression. Don't give in to hate. It leads to the dark side, blah, blah, blah. We know. But I, I just thought that that was a slam dunk in terms of I should fucking basketball. You loser, fucking nerd. I thought football. That, I thought that was a field goal. That was a two punk conversion for for a small town counselor to say to this guy in this situation because that's what he wants to do. That's what she kind of sees in him, right? It's like yeah, he wants to restart this relationship after this thing happened, and I don't know. That really kind of hit me, and I was like, that's I'm I'm glad that this show is kind of going there i think because you uh you know you you carried this with the umbrella of progressive that's the part of that line in that moment that does seem progressive is she's if we break down the writing she is addressing the masculinity weakness the weakness and forgiveness i think that's the really cool part to tell these type of kids, you know, whether it be just hormonal, aggressive, whatever it is, but to tell a man or a boy about weakness is, uh, it's so important and it's unheard of. That's why that's such a awesome line. And it's so much better coming from her in such a small, intimate moment. Yeah. That, it fucking rules. Tammy rules. Shout out to Amy. All three of these moments revolve around Street's part in this episode. And it's kind of crazy just how much good advice he's actually getting. Yeah. Where I think some of the other characters could benefit from some of this. He's the most successful, also the most traumatic experience. But it's what help is he getting? Saracen, we're discussing that his father's leaving him emotionally smashes you know he does feel kind of on his own riggins is riggins like oh and and street's parents at the beginning of that episode are they're mm -hmm. they're flailing they don't know what the fuck to do yeah exactly street has so many good uh not just role models but he has so much so many good people in his life around him helping him through this situation i think that's uh yeah, I think it's obvious, and I think that leads into him being successful at carrying through this uh, this trauma. We have that whole scene of him home alone now that he's home, but we don't see him moping. We see him exercising and working out. Am I corny to say that's the Herc in him? That's the I'm on a routine. Herc, you know, talks about this. This is what I got to do. He didn't sit at home and just mope, which is what Riggins does now with two working feet. So I think um, I think this is the thing that we've talked about a lot when it comes to Street. The two things was one, it's so fucking awesome. This show gave him the crazy injury they gave him. And they said, well, we're actually going to slowly walk out what this life is. We're keeping him as a character. We're keeping him as an honest portrayal of what this is. 
That's fucking cool that this show took time. Again, it's an NBC show, and they're talking about paraplegic or quadriplegics' erections, like how they work their bodies. Like, that's awesome. And then it is awesome that we're watching him. What's the future past football? What's after that? And it's it's great. It's so much fun to see that the show's still moving with all of that stuff because again i think a lot of other show a lot of other people would have made this show and he's two three episodes and then we lose him he didn't have to be here still episode 11 halfway through i i love it and yeah i'm glad that that kind of stands out that he's getting this good advice but he's actually using it as opposed to someone like riggins that doesn't have it but even if he got good advice i don't know what he would do with it you know and, uh, you know, I, I rant all the time about teachers and shit like that. This is, like, what we're talking about is, like, he doesn't have a home life with an awesome mother-father support that he can do this with. Either does Lila. Lila can't really talk to her mom and dad about all of this. It's not the same. They're super Christian. It would be weird. They need someone outside of the house to assist and thank God they have Tammy. Or thank God in moments they have Coach. Like, that's fucking cool that Matt Saracen has a yelling fit with his father in front of everybody. And Coach Taylor's like, here, you'll come home with us. It's okay. That Or or even the that Julie grabs her probably boyfriend and says, you're going to come home with us. And mom and dad are perfectly fine with it. He needs that escape. He doesn't need to be just walking around by himself just feeling whatever weird shit he's feeling at 15 it's fucking cool that the show is expressing that they need something outside of their home it's so fucking important you know what i mean what what are you laughing we could read into this how this plays into your personal life and your upbringing and all this kind of shit but i don't think we're going to familiarity and emotional catharsis is what these episodes are bringing me is, uh, yeah, I have a dad in the military, I have brothers, uncles, everyone. It's a military family. That coming in and out of life, it's, the re-entry is so fucking difficult. I remember so much of my dad, shout out dad, coming home. He's months wherever he is, and little things are annoyances. The detail that she's uh, clicking her for- grandma Saracen's clicking on the plate, just making a noise, a nervous tick. And he's mad going, what is she so nervous about? And she's like, I'm not even nervous. She doesn't know she's doing it. You could say that's dementia or whatever, but that's such a specific thing. I've had the literal thing of when my dad came back, I think it, you know, yeah, it was a nervous tick. And looking back, I had, you know, anxiety at a young age. He used to grind my teeth. And that noise it makes, that horrible, gross, grinding noise. I used to do that, and that used to bug my dad so much. That re-entry, that first, like, two, three weeks of him back home, that was the fight. That was the argument, is what words am I using too much of? Or am I eating, am I chewing with my mouth too loud? Did I, blo- did I put my water, you know, just little annoyances that's so fucking real and that hit me so much because yeah i've lived that not even my dad sean my younger brother carlo my older brother when you come back from something of the military back into society of normal boring world you're not you're not normal of this so that coming back there's a there's a frustration there's an anger and aggression so that hit 
And yeah, having these kids have an outlet of a coach or the guidance counselor that gives a shit, it's fucking important because there's plenty of moments in my life I didn't have it. There's plenty of moments where I've met how many people have it is so rare. Most of us didn't have it. Most of us don't have that outlet. Most men don't have that with friends either. You can have a best friend and you still, like, we're in our 30s. How long did it take us for me and you to look each other in the face and go, we both have depression and have a legitimate, honest conversation about it? It's not easy. It's not normal. But how much would that help these kids at this age? How much would this stuff assist? And so when I say all cops are bastards and all teachers are cops, my joke is that it's such a fucking important job. And so many of them don't give a shit. And if you want to talk L.A. writers writing a fantasy world, the more you bring that up, the more I think about it, that I can defend it because I love it, but that in the God's honest truth is the fake part, is that these kids have these outlets. That's the make-believe fantasy of the show, is that he can show up and talk to Tammy. Because any other real world... No, she's not even answering the door. She looks and goes, Ugh, coach isn't here. You'll talk to him later. That's the real world. That's that. And I think how much of this world functions outside of politics is also the fairy tale. When we talk about it's set in the South and they're wholesome and they're good people with morals, me and you kind of rub against like, that's not, no, they're, they're not this I think it's because this show wrote this in an imaginary Texas town. It's not Austin, but it's Austin. And I do think they're trying to say, let's just, in the this world, there's no politics. It's football. No, politics would still fucking be here. But we're pretending it's not. I think that's the L.A. writer making this fantasy world. Those are the two things that frustrate me. But also, I'm kind of glad it's there because I don't want a fucking show about politics and football. Two things I hate. I wouldn't love the show if they added one more thing I hate. It's bad enough I watched Lila get slut-shamed and I had to watch a football game. I don't want to hear people talk about Bush, you know. It'd make the show unbearable to me. So thank God they left one out. You're absolutely right. And I'm glad that they left those out those elements as well, because, and it, yeah, it's not realistic, but there's a pettiness in small towns. We get a glimpse of it with Lila yeah. and getting slut shamed, but there's a pettiness in small towns. There's a nastiness uh, to poverty and uh, people getting pitted against each other by politicians and that kind of stuff um, in desperate situations in small towns. And even in the religious community, you know, I mean, that's a big thing. Gossip and all that kind of stuff is huge um, amongst church communities. It's the biggest. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the biggest part of that. It's horrific. So I am glad that uh, the show leaves that kind of stuff out because it makes it enjoyable. And who wants to write about even more misery? These characters are already going through enough. They're already suffering. It's already tragic like we discussed in last week's episode. So... It's okay to live in fantasy yeah. a little bit because that's what it is. It's a show. It's We're living in this fantasy about these characters 
in this fictional town. And um, I won't lie. I I liked hearing you say that. And it's, it's good. <laughs> but it's a great point at the yeah. same time. You know, not just the smug satisfaction of like, ah, he sees that it's Vegas, not real. But, I, I but no, but it was very really heartfelt, and, too. Yeah, I love won that. one, one, two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're even now. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, do you have any small moments that stuck out to you that we haven't discussed yet? I mean, honestly, I have, I have so many because uh, we are halfway and I'm re- this is I'm I'm locked in with episode 11. It's still sad stuff, but I'm having a lot of fun. There's so many funny stuff. I think in 10, I love that uh, they added back to the thing when Julie and Matt are trying to hang out and she goes, "Oh, Landry's going to drive us." And Tammy's like, "Who's Landry? Who's this Landry kid?" And Coach goes, "That's that Lance kid. He heard his name three times." And Coach still goes, "That's the Lance kid." I I love that joke. I'll never not love a dad not knowing someone's name joke. Yeah, I wrote down what Tammy says when Landry comes and picks him up. You know, this is mm-hmm. later on in the episode. And she's like, "Oh, who's driving?" And then she sees it's Landry, and she says, "Watch the curb, whoever you are." Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was good. Um, I thought it was super uh, funny when they're in the locker room talking about who's going to hook up fact first, Saracen with Coach's daughter or Smash with a preacher's daughter, and it's that stupid ginger we hate. Yeah, fuck that guy. He's a little better on the acting this one, but... I I, I was like, is that the same dude? (laughs) But him, he adds to it, and then they start talking, because, again, it's fucking the coach's daughter, and it's a good frame of him behind Smash listening, and he's like, you you need to stop talking right now. And uh, And coach looks miserable. He looks so pissed. And it's such an effective thing where he pulls the ginger over. You don't know what he said. Said something real quick, and he just gives the finger point to Matt, but doesn't say anything. It's so... it's so funny. And just as a disclaimer, uh, I have a ginger beard, so I can talk shit on these stupid, ugly gingers. Just just FYI, we're not discriminating against gingers. I, I, I am partially ginger, so. I'll allow it. The other funny, uh, super quick insert, I don't even remember. It's a montage towards the end. There's a quick cut of Billy and Tim watching TV. And Tim has to stand up because their TV is duct taped and they're laughing because the screen's all shitty because they broke it last episode. Yeah, Tim Riggins like hits it or something. Yeah, I love that they're both having to live with their mistake and they're laughing at it. That's a good little character moment. But it's a super quick insert on that um, thing. I I have a note. It's the, the scene is whatever, but I did write horny street goes soft. Cause that's when they try to hook up, and then he can't. I, I guess that was me trying to remember to talk about uh, the sex thing that you covered. Yeah, not your interest in uh, teenage. <laughs> okay, all right. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna cut it out anyway. I'm not even gonna say it. it. Doesn't matter. But that's how I worded it in my notes. Was horny street goes soft. Wow. Yeah. Um, let's skew negative for a moment. The episode ends. With choppy slow motion and a freeze frame. What's the freeze frame? Because I know, yeah. It's Lila like being happy at the cheer competition. And it's like the choppy Peter Jackson slow-mo. I was like, nope. Bad ending to a bad episode. Which I like. I don't know why, but I like her looking down but looking up. Like the shot of her looking to the crowd. 
which before the end, like just the scene yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. Cut to Riggins, him being happy, but then show that she's looking at Street. That's great. Yeah, it's good staging. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, I I thought of it too. I was like, oh, don't yeah, do that. I the, don't like that. Peter Jackson slow-mo is the worst. One of my favorite lines was... We love Peter Jackson, obviously, just... I love Lord of the Rings. So do I. Yeah. I think maybe one of my... Maybe my favorite line of the two episodes was when Tammy's talking to Riggins about his schoolwork. And he's like, why do you care? And she says, it's part of my job to make sure you don't grow up stupid. It's bad for the world. It's such a fucking great... Again, Tammy with the great lines. And then Landry later on. Um, <laughs> he's like, you can't read. When he's literally yeah. trying to get... You fell through the cracks. Yeah, you fell through the cracks, yeah. Oh, I love that. The other good Landry line is when... Uh, after he reads the book and he's trying to get him to relate to something in a mice of men. He goes, here's how I relate to it. I would love to shoot you in the face right now. Because that's how mad he is. Yeah, which uh, yeah, a high schooler couldn't say that these days. Yikes. No, you're not allowed to talk about shooting. Um, again, bad rock music during uh, the game montage. It was like in a, I can't remember if it was 10 or 11, mm-hmm. but it's like literally a Rage Against the Machine ripoff. And you're just like, what yeah, is this? Yeah, I remember that. It's horrific. Yeah, it's real shitty. Yeah, ugh, it's, so bad. It's the, it sounds exactly like WW, like wrestling, they couldn't license, so it's, we'll make it sound like. Exactly like this. It's that thing. But the shitty version. Good music. Landry's band. <laughs> Shout out. What? What's their name? Crucifictorious. Crucifictorious. Like victorious? I think it's supposed to be victorious, but crucifictorious. Crucifictorious. And it was supposed to be stigmatolingus. Nice. That but it didn't get past the censors or something. No, that, the, that's his line is going, I wanted to name the band stigmatolingus, but I got voted out. Stigmatolingus. That's what Landry I didn't even catch wa- that. Yeah, when he's putting the posters up, he oh, says wow. it. But if we're talking accuracy and real world... There's never been a more accurate local show representation of three people in an empty crowd not listening and just the shittiest hardcore music. It's such a slow, boring, choppy breakdown that he's given it all to and there's like people have their backs to him. Oh, yeah. It's an empty crowd. The floor is empty. There's people on the periphery. (laughs) Yeah, literally once I started, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I played with these guys in high school. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Super accurate. And and the hardcore music was like very period accurate. I yeah. was I was very impressed. Yeah. The X's well, on the wrist. Oh god, so stupid. But and I wonder if that's actually Jesse Plemons screaming. I because I was think kind of impressed. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was impressed. Yeah. Shout out Jesse Plemons if uh you want to do another hardcore band here. We could Dude, do do, do a nostalgia throwback, just hit us up. For real. I'll write some new breakdowns. It's been a long time, but you got it's still in there. You. Absolutely. You're watching fun. a show about teenage angst. You can get one out. Yeah, absolutely. And I noticed that Landry had blink rocks on his, <laughs> written on his binder, rocks, R-O-X. It's like, all right, yeah, that tracks. And the little detail of when he comes off a stage to talk to Riggins, he's still all out of breath. <laughs> it's really funny. Oh, and just, honestly, there's brilliance in the fact that Riggins is like, oh, I'm sorry I missed the whole set. <laughs> he tried and Landry, yeah, he's like, 
you know, he's being polite to him and saying, I'm sorry, I just Hoping caught the end. he caught the end. Yeah, and then Land- Land- and then Landry's like, oh, no, dude, we got a whole other set coming up, so you didn't miss anything. We'll, we'll get you a chair. You can be in the front. And just, like, the cut to reaction of Riggins, just like, yeah, cool. Yeah. So good. Yeah. That's great. I absolutely love that. Yeah. So while we're wrapping up, we are officially midway, and they do drop a bomb on us. Matt might be moving to Oklahoma, and Coach got a call from a college asking oh, yeah. if he wants to be a quarterback coach. Yeah, at UT next yeah. season. Which I do want to say, I love the scene that it opens with him trying to be cute, help her with the trash, trash falls, have a real argument, break away for a conversation, and then their relationship, they come back happy. That whole anger of whatever the argument was just dies immediately. I was like, that's good relationship stuff. They're just giving each other a hard time. Yeah. And she's pulling, dragging the trash can. I was like, no, no, you didn't yeah. do it. I'm good. Let me do it by myself. But then they have a legit heated argument over, yeah. you know, their jobs and right and wrong and stuff. But I love the, like, another example of a healthy relationship is like that drops immediately that he's got possibly good news that he might be uh, moving. We're getting, uh, we're getting some gears working with some weird. Uh, I mean, again, it's still we're throwing wrenches and fucking everything. You know, now Matt's leaving. Now maybe coaches leave. Whatever that is, those are definitely wrenches in this. We just started establishing that Matt and Julie like each other. Well, Matt's gone. You know, so I, th- I think it's, uh, it's cool to see. I think I keep wanting to frame this with what modern television does with shorter seasons. This is 23 episodes, 11 in, and we just now got a turn. I think it's interesting to me to keep track of that because I am used to just binging the hell out of this and not referencing how this works as one standalone season or one standalone hour of television. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm loving it. I think it's a it's it's a solid 11 episodes. There's been a lot of hiccups, but I'm loving where it is, and I love where episode 11 ends. This just in, William loves this TV show. Breaking news. I like it. I want more of it. Wow. We're really getting into it in this podcast. Yeah, we're saying stuff no one else would say. Yeah, Jason, hey, you guys... William likes the thing he likes. Wow. The the detailed analysis. <laughs> I would watch more of it. That's my review <laughs> of a show I've seen maybe six times. Nick, if you're going to ask, because you didn't, by the way, is <laughs> I would watch more of it. That's how we're ending the podcast is me rambling and going, I'd watch more. And our few listeners are saying, uh, and I don't want to listen anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, just in general, thank you for listening. Again, if you've made it this far, we think it's a miracle and genuinely appreciate it. And um, here, I'll add in an, an even smaller request. Try to subscribe to the podcast in whatever podcast app that you yeah. use. Uh, we have a few people that do it, but it just it, it makes us feel good. Yeah, it made me feel good about myself. My best friend's Nick. I need all the help I can get. Subscribe and download so I can see real numbers. Exactly. Friendship is nothing. We need tangible numbers. We need instant gratification. It's it's the it's the era of social media. You know, it doesn't real relationships mean nothing. So exactly. Follow us on Twitter. I'm your buddy Pods, and on Instagram, I'm your buddy Pod. And of course, as usual, at the website, I'm your buddy pod.com. New episodes are every Monday. Next time we're going to do uh, 12 and 13. Sounds good. I love you. I love you too. <laughs>